episode 71 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about perfectly good games. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam and I talk about culling a large number of perfectly good games. Adam keeps a very small collection, and I'm attempting to stay at a fixed number. And as tastes and play groups evolve, so do our game collections. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Adam talking about culling perfectly good games. We're getting rid of 50, over 50, perfectly good games. Over. Yeah. not 51? 52? 52. We're going to be going through them in reverse rank, according to BoardGameGeek. I heard, so I was at the game store, and the well-meaning person behind the game store counter was talking to some other person shopping in the store. As they were talking about games or picking up games or whatever, the employee said, like, oh, that's the fifth best game of all time, or that's the 20th best game of all time. And he was just using best game of all time. Like that was the board game geek ranking. And I had nothing but objections to that sort of statement (laughs) because that's not, that's not what it is. We know the board game geek ratings. If you're, you know, deep into board gaming, they're skewed a very certain way. If you search, there's like videos that Dice Tower has done about like games. It should be in the top 10 uh, of board game geek. You get things like that where... They skew to a certain kind of game, probably having a lot of different uh, mechanisms in there, probably being a Euro game, some other things, other common things you could kind of pick out. But nevertheless, we are using that as our metric, even though I've just complained about how inaccurate it is. Uh, It still is pretty good for saying for people who are in hobby board gamings, how good a game objectively was. It's pretty good at that with some skewing. That said, the first one that we're picking is by uh, a designer, a board game designer who has games in like the top, I think maybe the top 10, definitely the top 100. That's Eric M. Lang. He did a game called Disney Sidekicks. And I think that's the first one we're talking about. That's one that's called by me. Most of these are called by me. Some are called by Adams. I think that Sidekicks is actually not horrible. I think that like the the game that is happening there is maybe even good. You are the sidekicks and you're trying to rescue the like main characters. So there's a few on here that are cold by me. Now, they're not actually all out the door for me. They're still in a box near the door. For Adams, they are already out the door. Done. So there are some here that might they might stay but they have been boxed up with the intention to leave. They have been separated from the rest of the games if they haven't made it into a box yet. So that's the final disclaimer. For Sidekicks uh, specifically, you it's a co-op game. You're trying to rescue the heroes and you're playing as the Sidekicks and you kind of move around this little, you have a few amount of like action points. You have to move and get cards that give you special abilities. You have to get certain little tokens to be able to get the heroes free. The rule book is horrible. And I think that maybe it's getting a even lower rating because of how bad the rule book is. It is, and it looks nice, but it's written horribly. It, see, it feels like it was translated from another language. It's ranked, I think, 20, hold on, 20,613. It was kind of small on my screen. Oof. So it is, it is by far the lowest one. So that one you could say, oh, maybe this one isn't perfectly good. I, I think that it is. And Aaron thinks that maybe it is. 
he's like willing to be persuaded sort of but he was like that was the rule book is really bad so that was the first one and maybe the only one that's not exactly perfectly good alhambra roll and write that's ranked i mean quite a bit higher at 12,400. I mean, spoilers, we'll be talking about Alhambra later. It's really not that bad. You can play this with, I think they are regular six-sided dice. And some of these games that are roll and rights that have regular six-sided dice, I'm thinking of just keeping a couple of the sheets, laminating them, being able to play them if I so choose to ever go back to them, but I don't need to keep the whole box. Kind of move on from there. It's, um, it's not even really worth explaining the mechanisms on that one or any more about it. So we're going to move right on to Adam's first cold game on the list. God's Forge. Yes, God's Forge. And it's 8,346 ranked. Perfectly good game. I, I tell you, I really liked the artistic style yeah. of that. I don't know what you would describe that as. It's no, like a, a handful of colors and not like primary colors. No. It's like a teal. There's like gold and yes. teal and like maybe like a maroon in there or something. So yeah. it was really artistically good mm-hmm. and nothing against it. I enjoyed playing it. I just over the last two years realized I was just never picking it when I was picking a game. Let some other home right play it. So Aaron and I bought it not that long ago, and it's going to be a trend on the games that you're calling. That I'm like, oh, I I have that. I'm keeping it. So I mean, oh. good news. Good. It'll be yeah. it'll be adjacent to your life. I don't think that that's true for any of the games that I'm getting rid of. That you're like, hey, wait, I have that. Right. Yeah, Gosford has like gold accents. The it's it's a very striking kind of reminds you of Glow a little bit. If you've mm-hmm. seen that one, kind of sort of not hand drawn, but like lots of lots of lines. Anyways, Sorcerer and Stones is a Emperor S4 game. The beginning of the pandemic, I there was some kind of big like deal, like a pandemic bundle, and you get a whole bunch of Emperor S4 games from Deep Water Games, I think was doing these bundles. So I got this one. It is a perfectly good game. We played it co-op, which I did like. You're trying to make sure you get everything done versus competing against someone else to get things done. I definitely like that more. Um, You are moving around these different tiles in order to create kind of different lineups to be able to cash in those stones, I believe is how it worked. Perfectly good game. It didn't rise to something special enough that I thought over other kind of puzzly games like that that it was really worth keeping and, you know, playing again next year. Now, The Rocketeer, next one on the list, I don't know anything about the movie. I assume that if you do, this looks great. It's a two-player only game. You have different powers. Like, you're playing on two different sides of the board. It's kind of like good guys against bad guys. I would, I think I'd appreciate it more if I also understood the theme. Oh, and then the rankings for those Sorcerer and Stones was 8,302 and the Rocketeer is 6,999. 68.99, I believe. Oh yeah, it is. I, the monitor is like an arm length and a half away from me. It's, it's much further than recommended. So the Rocketeer, I think is honestly a really good two player game. We got so many two-player games. Uh, I don't know how often we would bring that out aside from just playing it every year. So you either are going to call the Rocketeer or buy the Rocketeer the movie, yes. one or the other. And have okay. a growing appreciation for it. And then with that, 
rising the Roxy or going ahead and ranking it on BGG, making sure it gets up a little bit. I, sure. I really think that it's a good two-player game. I'm not sure why it's ranked. I'm not sure why it's ranked so low for what it is. Maybe it's just because people don't aren't familiar enough with it to, to care. Mm. Atlier, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's ranked 6,215. What's interesting is kind of there's a worker placement, but then majority thing for getting the paint, like you're sending out students to get the paint. And then as you collect that paint, you use it on the paintings, which is what gets you points. Completely bought on a whim, had fun with it. And, you know, maybe sometimes that's enough. Trial of the Temples. This is another Emperor S4 game that came kind of with that bundle. 5,845. It's a perfectly good game. I was kind of making some decisions about how much of what kind of game I wanted to have. And then also how likely do I think I'd be going back to it in context with all the other games I own? Because these games I collected right after we got home from Gen Con, I think the same day, I just looked at the shelves. I had all these new games to pull out and I just pulled off the things that weren't, it was a very Marie Kondo moment. Like which games just aren't bringing me joy. Okay. The next one up is Band Words. Now, Band Words is a great party game. One team is trying to, uh, there's like two teams. One person's giving clues to try to get the other people on their team to guess something, some list of words. Mm -hmm. Rather than just sitting there doing nothing, though, the other side gets to, on dry erase, mm -hmm. write words they think you're, the giver is going to say to get the other people to give their clues. And they get oh. points for guessing which words they're going to hear in the clue-giving process. Okay. So I really like it because it keeps everybody involved throughout the entire game, basically. Right. Uh, both teams on that. Uh, it's not good, though, if you need that break. You know, maybe you want to get some more summer sausage and cheese squares <laughs> from, you know, the party uh, food table, and you can't do that because you got to play this game. Um, that's really the whole premise of the game. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some sort of point scoring. Ah, yeah. It's... It's good, and it's just one where we just play other party games when I'm playing party games now. Like, it's just fallen mm. to the bottom of the list for no good reason. This is a perfectly fine party game. Mm -hmm. Would recommend. It sounds like taboo, except you're making the list of taboo words. Correct. And then as you play, there other people are changing then from their, like, most dominant word they yeah. would use. So then I'm talking about like, ah, I'm going to get a parcel of cheesecake or whatever. You're, you're, you're saying right. things in a weird way in order to do that. So it's, yeah, it's this living, changing kind of dynamic there. But I also realize it's probably not fun for people that don't want to do that. You know, I think yeah. sometimes there's stress in a party game situation where I'm already, the game's already me trying to get you to guess this. Now I got to use funny words from 1810 right. so that the other team doesn't win. Like I could see it's not for everybody's group. Right, definitely. And I think that creative pressure, I think that's not what I don't like about uh, a lot of the Jackbox games. Like, they're fine, but they'll, you like, you have to come up with the words. And I'm like, let someone else come up with the words. And right. then I'll just yeah. play the games. Loot and Run. Now, this is ranked 5,303. This, maybe this one isn't perfectly good. I got this used. You are, I think you kind of like card flip kind of dungeon thing. Just trying to get loot. So there's no, there's, oh, okay. it's a very small box as well. And I think if you can get it for a couple dollars, I have never seen it since. This was the first time I saw it. I've never seen it since. And I think this just isn't adding something different to the collection. Uh, it has a mm -hmm. 
very cute and zany cover though. And it'd be, I think a pretty fun sort of family game. It's made by the Scorpion Mask who makes a Turing machine now. So they kind of have a, a new recent hit on their hands. This is nothing, nothing like Turing machine though. The Masked Scorpion? Yes, <laughs> the one and only. Perfect. And now Foodies, we first played this during the pandemic on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Right, probably not officially sanctioned version. It's ranked 4,602? Yep. Yeah. It is another light kind of family weight game. And I will say that playing games on Tabletop Simulator meant that we got to play a lot more different kind of games. And I think that had a huge effect on the collection that we kept. We weren't in a game group where we were exposed to like a huge library of games and experimenting with things all the time. And Tabletop Simulator gave us that, like this huge library to go through. So when I saw this game in person, I was super excited. I will say that it was bigger than I expected in person. Like it doesn't need to be in as big of a box as it comes in. And sometimes I think that has an unfair kind of weight to how much I want to keep something because if it was sort of like, maybe if this was smaller, I'd keep it and it shouldn't really matter, but it's just something about like, it's taking up maybe more space than, uh, than fun. Ultimately you're rolling dice and putting out these little food carts to get scoring and that makes it pretty uh, luck-based, but the components themselves like just work together very nicely. There's a little circle hole in the cards. There's a circle hole on your board so you can see what the different values are. And uh, mm -hmm. it's not like stellar art. It's cute, it's stylized, and it's consistent. But as we kept playing more things, I sort of was like, okay, I did like playing this on Tabletop Simulator. I don't mind the game, but it's a bit big in person for what it is. I would absolutely recommend for a family. It's a nice, you know, kind of roll the dice, get a thing game. And I think mm -hmm. it's nice to have options like that. It doesn't always have to be crazy high strategy. I will say that the next one on the list, Polynesia, I think this was maybe a Kickstarter game. We happened to pick it up at some game cafe where they just, you know, they just bought, a, bought copies off the Kickstarter, maybe. I haven't seen it a lot since then. And it is ranked 3,863. And it reminds me a lot of Tungaru. Not because it's actually the same, but it kind of has the same island Polynesia setting. Tungaru, you actually have like people and boats and dice and all this stuff. And Polynesia, right. you're just setting, people are traveling on these islands and then the uh, main island, there's going to be a volcano at the end. So you're kind of pulling things out, sort of clank style, where like you're pulling something out of a bag and you don't want to pull the bad cubes out. And then that can change the length of the game. So the length can be really short if you pull all the volcano cubes out, or it can be quite a bit longer if that just doesn't happen to happen. The first time we played, I sort of cut off Aaron from one side of the map. It's a two player rule thing. I did not intend to do it. It was very effective. And the second time we played, uh, I, I don't know. I think I won that time too. There's enough going on, but it just doesn't feel distinct enough. I think I like the art on the cover more than I like the actual game. Mm. Yeah. There's something similar to Yamatai in it, the way that you're moving through these islands, like the theme and kind of the board and the things there, but Yamatai has more going on. So I think it ends up getting compared to that. And this feels like a lighter, more approachable, maybe a simpler kind of execution of some of the things that are in Yamatai. So this one, I, there's some for me that are literally in a box already in a stack of boxes and some that are on a shelf, which are sort of like, am I gonna play it one more time before I actually box it up as well? 
this is kind of in that space. And so is Fjords. That is ranked 3,696. It's a remake. I got it off. I got this one off Kickstarter. Beth Sobel did the art for it. I played with Aaron. I couldn't have hated it more. And I think it's because of the type of game, sort of area control uh, in a two-player, maybe, was it perfect information sort of thing? He plays a lot of chess. And like sometimes in that, I feel too outmatched for it to be an enjoyable game experience. If one person is just better than the other, then they just win every time. And then why are you, why are you playing? Because you're not playing to see how you're matched. You're not playing to see what the outcome will be. Uh, if you're not interested in becoming a new Fjords master, then you're not really playing for that reason either. Um, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of tough to want to play it again when you feel like I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like what what is bringing me into this game again? But it's a perfectly good right, game. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Coming in at thirty six oh five, Catacombs and Castles. Now this is a dexterity game. I think might have been the first dexterity game I played. Mm. Um, it's there's enemies. You're you're in a uh, it's like a dungeon crawly kind of atmosphere. You're flicking different projectile weapons, whether it be like an arrow or a bomb or things like that. Re- really fun. Again, just not one that I'm pulling out and setting up yeah. and playing with any amount of frequency. Yeah, because this has like a big. It has like a border that goes around it, right? So you don't fling things off the table. Right, which of course you still can, just like yeah. a oh, table, it's cardboard. Right? Like with any amount of effort, <laughs> that ball is going behind the bar. Yeah, and I feel like we tried to play this a couple of times, and maybe it was like you were meant to have more people or teams or something where we're like, oh well, we'll play it, we'll play it next time. And there wasn't, there wasn't a next time. Now next time's gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> um. So mystery of the temples. This is another in kind of the, I think, trilogy, along with Trial of the Temples. It's not Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's not Escape from the Temple. Uh, Gift Shop of the Temple? (laughs) The other one's Realm of Sand. I can't find it behind me because I think this is the one I got rid of first. Because I was like, I'm definitely not keeping this. But it's meant to be in the same series as uh, Mystery of the Temple and Trial of the Temples. And Mystery of the Temple... Uh, I'm thinking I'm getting these the right way around. Mystery of the Temple is fine. It kind of feels a little like a tiny epic game in the sense that you kind of put out cards, arrange cards, and then you have the little pieces you're moving around with. I think it just wasn't as good at two players. It wasn't bad, but I just didn't enjoy it as much at two players. And that is now becoming a uh, kind of tipping point for our collection, given that's how we, for the most part, move through all of our games every year, all the 200 Two, it's over 200. So if it's not a good two-player experience, it doesn't feel as worth keeping. But I did like this one for that small footprint. And then Trial of the Temples on the other side of that still has similar mechanisms. It's a bigger bigger footprint, bigger box. And I think it was like, what is happening here is fine. And I think these would actually be good if you were like new to gaming and you're like, well, I kind of want to... I kind of want to get some games. I don't really know what to get. I would say get like a stack of Emperor S4 games for sure. Uh, Deep Water prints them here, or I don't know, however that however that works. But when you go onto their website, a lot of times they have deals on like a set of their games. I think it's a great way to like try some things, see what you like, see what you don't like. So I would absolutely recommend it in that case. Shifting Stones is in the call box. 
part of what's helping there is that it is now on uh, Board Game Arena. And the way the, the game works, they have stones. They're cardboard, but they have stones and you shift them. They couldn't have been more honest about the title. And your play, you have these cards that have the stones in certain arrangements, and you're trying to get them into those arrangements, but I think you can only move it, uh, move a stone one way, so you're slowly kind of shifting things into your favor. And then the stones also flip, so there's certain things on different sides, so sometimes you have to flip them, sometimes you have to move them, and you're trying to see, like, well, how can I work it into a shape that I need on the way to this higher point thing that's going to take a lot longer to get things in place. Still a little bit of like luck that things could just happen to be where they need to be for you. But I think it makes it a little easier if you're on the fence about a game when you know there's a digital implementation of it, especially something like this that kind of works really well digitally because you don't have to sort of fuss with those stones yourself. They'll just move themselves wherever they need to go. And then Quan Chai Moria art. This was when I walked in the game store. And I was like, oh, I think I want that one. And that's basically how I can flawlessly find Quan Chai's art every time. I walk into a game store and I'm like, that's the one I want. And it's just his art. So what are you going to do? That one's ranked 3,544. Proving Grounds. I almost thought about sending this to you, Adam. It's a one-player only game. It's interesting. I got it on a whim. And then I think it was missing some kind of like card or upgrade or misprint something where you could ask them and I got the right card for it. But you're, it's a dice thing and you're, I want to think it's time. This is this solo series that Rock, that uh, Renegade Games did, Proving Grounds and also, oh, the spaceship one. The spaceship one. And you're like in a time loop and you have to re, you have to keep redoing it. Have I played this one? I doubt it. It's also solo only. Oh, it's not the Falling Skies, right? No, that's different. No, you would think it's Falling Skies though because it is... It sounds similar. Wait, Renegade Solo Hero series. The other game is Warp's Edge. Warp's Edge. Where you're, uh, that one I kept. So the I bought both of these because I was like, Solo series, sign, sign me up. And I think that Proving Grounds is like time-based. And you know, when it's solo, you, you can do whatever you want. You don't, you don't have to use the timer, whatever. But I think it's meant to uh, enforce that you make imperfect decisions. It's something that I'm more a fan of. There was a game that Aaron and I just played caro like kerosene we'll yeah. talk about it some other time it's interesting um and it forces you there's a time mechanism where it kind of just forces you to make imperfect decisions based on dice i just didn't like find the right groove with proving grounds enough to want to keep it warp's edge was also a little hard to get into a groove with like you know sometimes they give you the rules for the game and you're like, you read the whole rule book. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm definitely ready to play. And then you start playing. You're like, ah, I'm going to read the rule book again. Like, I think I've missed something. Right. And I think that's maybe nice in a solo game because like the game's mechanisms are what's going to pr provide you the challenge. So it's not that you're going to then sit across from an opponent. Like we were talking about with Fjord's game where I felt just kind of unmatched. It's not like you're going to sit against the opponent and they're going to provide the challenge in a solo game. Like the game is going to provide the challenge. So not exactly getting it and playing it you don't feel like you're playing it right right away is not necessarily a bad thing i just felt like proving grounds i would be less likely to come back to it as my solo game uh collection grows and grows it is now moved to its own set of shelves so yeah it's it's kind of taking over and even with the whole set of shelves i was like i want to leave some space to grow and i don't think proving ground is gonna stay here Right. And then next up, this game, I have almost 
gotten rid of this game uh, dozens of times. And that is ranked 3,330. It's Attack on Titan, the deck building game. And I think it's in, Cryptozoic makes it, and I think it's in the same system as other deck building games. And I want to believe that I'm a person who wants to play these sort of deck building games and even would like a sort of like lifestyle deck building game where like Marvel Champions where you can get all the packs and then you're making these decks. And, and this isn't that kind of deck building where you're like making your own deck very loosely Dominion S, but in the sense of like you start with a number of type A of card, a number of type B of card, and then things you add to your deck. And, oh, sure. But you are, there's a, if you've ever seen the show, in the show, they live inside of a wall. Titans live outside the wall. You're trying to defend the wall. It only gets weirder from there. And the Titans are like these humanoid monster type things um, that roam about and eat people. It's not, it's a, it's a weird and a downer of a show. But that said, I think because it's part of that same card system, you can mix it with other card systems, like other matching card systems, which I never did. This is co-op, which I like, and in one player, which I like, but I never actually played that way because it was just a bit too much. And I have another Attack on Titan game that I think is better. It was made by uh, Antoine Bauza and someone else, I don't remember right now. And it has like a big Titan that you're fighting in one player. It's a one versus mini game. So one player plays the Titan. Oh, yeah. And everyone else that was pretty fun. tries to attack the Titan. And so I kind of felt like, I, I, I don't think I need two of these. And... Every other time I tell myself, maybe you do need two of them. Maybe you should keep them. But finally, uh, I this one is in the definite call box. It's it's out of here. Question on Attack on Titan. Is yeah. the place also called Titan? Or because like Attack on Titan would suggest. No, you're correct. It's just, that's just how it was translated. I, I definitely recommend, and maybe we'll both listen to it um, at the end of recording this episode. I definitely recommend the theme music for Attack on Titan. It's oh, it's okay. it's nice. it's pretty good. Um it's very metal. I don't know. I actually don't know anything about metal. That's how it makes me feel. We'll see what you think uh about it when we wrap up here. Well, I'm excited. Sounds good. Uh well, to move closer towards that theme song, yeah. we're moving on to one of mine at 3179. It's a Mystic Market, which is a, a wonderful game. Yeah. It's a great game. You know what? Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I have it. I'm keeping it, even though Aaron complains about it. I think it's great. I think it's a great game. I think it is. So I'm trying to keep games that I also think are a little more universal. And I think mm, this one is tough. I think the more yeah. a person plays Mystic Market, you're going to see that imbalance you kind of talked about earlier. Yeah. A new person playing it, I think, will disproportionately be at a disadvantage yeah. to someone that knows the rhythm of the game. Cause that for, you know, like the first couple of times you're making like sets and yeah. then the value of those sets are based Changes. on where these really cool sand bottle things are in yeah. this trough. It's not a trough. It's a sled. It's something. Yeah. It's, a, it's something. The components are uh, fantastic. Top notch. Yeah. Really good. But, but again, it takes, I think a couple two, three games to really kind of figure out how to manipulate those, how to get that mm-hmm. rhythm. And I don't want to be like, Hey, you want to play this game? So that I can, I'm not saying I'm going to beat that person every time, but yeah. I, I don't like to go into games like that, you know? So I thought, you know what, if I end up playing with somebody else, it's like, you know, I'm a Mystic Market enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Well, A, they probably already have the game. And yeah, let's play Mystic Market then. So, or yes. a worst case scenario, I, I feel this way about all these games. 
if at the end of the day I really miss it, I can always just go buy it again. That's the right. cool thing about these games. Right. That's how I feel at Mystic Market. Wonderful game. Recommend it. Please play it. Yeah, and when you are, because I know you sold yours to a, a game shop near you. I might end up driving there and selling mine to the same game shop because I really like the game shop. When something's just collecting dust on yourself, and I think that's kind of what we're doing here with these perfectly good games, when you know you're maybe going to play it once a year, if that, it's sort of, it can beg the question, if you're not like just a straight up collector, well, maybe I could just sell this and someone else is going to get the opportunity to buy a game cheaper because it's not necessarily a, a hyper affordable hobby if you want the physical games. Board Game Arena, a lot of these digital things make it a lot cheaper and easier to play these things for one time to let you know if you'd like it. Uh, Mystic Market, not on there though. So it does, and it's already a smaller box, pretty affordable game for how nice the components are. The components look like you went onto Etsy and got special components made. Like they're, yep. they're not, it's not like they're made of gold or anything like that, but they're really well done in a way that's a little, uh, a little confusing. And I will say about Mystic Market, you can run yourself out of money and the cards themselves are kind of like a second currency. And that's what yep. is not obvious when you first play it. But that's also where I'm like, I don't know what's, I feel like when I first play, I'm like, I don't know what's happening in this game and I love it. Like, yep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get what's going on and I want more of it. Imperial Settlers, Roll and Write, that is ranked 3,096. I'm getting rid of it. And this was the one that Adam, you specifically said to me, I thought you liked that game. <laughs> I did. It's the and first I, thing I called out because <laughs> we talked about it so much for like yeah. a good year. It would show up in most conversations about games. Yeah. Uh, the app for it is fantastic. And that is, uh, I would say, the full reason why I am getting rid of the physical copy. I would play it solo. It has, when you play it multiplayer, you're on the same like maps all the time. You have your one player sheet that's always the same. And there's like a, set of buildings that you can unlock and use. That's always the same when you play multiplayer. But when you play solitaire, they give you a pad of different buildings that you can play. Well, it's just like a single use pad and there's maybe 50 different buildings. I, I, can't, I can't stand that. So at first I was putting it into like a uh, binder so I could just slide the sheet in and then play it and then be able to replay it because I kind of, I just didn't like the idea that once I do it, I'd have to like buy the whole pad again if I wanted to redo it. Then I thought about laminating all of them maybe, um, but the app lets you play all of those and you kind of go through and unlock them. I haven't even gotten to the end yet. I'll like replay them again, trying to get higher and higher scores because they give you like uh, crowns, I think, uh, as, you, as you get better scores. I absolutely like this game. I think that would have been a perfectly fine, uh, that would have been also a good title for this episode. I thought you liked that game. That also would be yeah. <laughs> uh, that also be a really good title. So I I do I would highly recommend the app. I I don't know that it's set in the same world as Imperial Settlers, but that that matters absolutely zero percent. What is nice, I will say, and what makes the app better again is that when you are playing this the physical game, the way that the roll and write has you collect resources kind of gets confusing on how many resources you have to use. So I would pull out my regular copy of Imperial Settlers and use the resources from it to play the roll and write just to be able to keep track of what I had to spend because otherwise it gets kind of hard to notate it. So they could have put a set of resources in there. Great game. You should definitely get the app instead, in my opinion. Moving on to Space Gate Odyssey. 
This is a weird one. Only Aaron and I have, like, we play with one another. We haven't played with anybody else. It's ranked 2,895. You have these different worlds you can go to. It's like not always the same. The worlds are kind of like opening and closing as you're going through these space gates. You're building your own little spaceship in order to sort of move people through and send them down to the different planets. It's not Galaxy Trucker. Like it's not Galaxy Trucker. Something about building out that thing and putting people in it and sending those, it, it has, it's not, it's not the same. And I probably shouldn't even make the association. I really do like this. And there's this other part where you're active, how you activate your workers, how many you get is on this like shared pool thing. So if someone else activates the room you're in, then you also get to activate. It's super interesting. I really don't, I don't want to get rid of it, but we've played it so infrequently. It, it may require one play with at least three people to see what that's like, to see if we end up, uh, end up keeping this one. Right. Now, Shadows in Kyoto, that is ranked 2,815. This is kind of a spinoff of Hanami Koji. It's another Emperor S4 game. Like I said, got a big pack of them. I'm slowly worked my way through and not keeping very many. This is one that for a while we were keeping, I was keeping so that Aaron could play it with Adam because I have zero interest in it. And playing with him, I the way the game works, you're meant to play multiple rounds because it can just turn out that you like immediately lose. And I did the last time we played and I was kind of like nail in the coffin for this one. But it is a two player game, sort of a hidden information, a little bit of a bit of intentional deceit and uh, kind of some chessy movement uh, because you're both on this board, kind of opposing, trying to get to the other side. I I've, I've right. I, you, you guys would really enjoy playing it and I would be happy to, it's, it's a lovely game. I'd be happy to never see it again. <laughs> right. Coming in at 2338, it's going to be me here with Prophecy. Mm-hmm. Now, Prophecy is a great game. It's a bigger game, which is yes. one of the reasons it's on here. It's a, I mean, I think maybe the box uh, is two to three hours on there. Ooh. And that could be a lie. I know for us it is <laughs> more than two to three hours. So I think of it as a five to six hour game, but I don't want to misrepresent it to the world. Yeah. This is three hours. Yeah. So, yeah. We're solidly. That's the whole day. A third to a half a day. Yeah. That's the whole uh, day. Not a, not a play day i mean the 24-hour day like we are Mm -hmm. spending a third to half of that day playing this game Mm -hmm. and it's super fun it's a it's i would say it's talisman like in a way you're kind of going around a board to do something i think actually i prefer this to talisman i know talisman is kind of the you know more the bigger name to this i think this you have different roles and then you're taking up different spaces that do different actions it's very high fantasy theme on this which Mm -hmm. is great i just don't see myself in the near future playing this big of a game with people i have yet to even meet that would want to play this big Mm -hmm. of a game Mm -hmm. and so it's just i it's time to just uh make some room on the shelf you know and if we circle our way back around then i suppose we've fulfilled the prophecy then ah i see what you did there (laughs) my next one is ranked 2321 it is among the most perfectly fine games and this one like the this one is on the call list based on a bad two-player playthrough which you know starting to hear a bit of a theme here and that is ceylon and it is because um 
Aaron is fond of doing a thing where, like, as a play group, you, you know, you come you come together to play a game. You're playing a specific game, and in the world of that game, everyone is kind of contributing to the development collectively to the development of the area you have and then you're all going to end up reaping rewards or you know fruits from that thing that was collectively made and he will find the most strategic and perfect way to contribute the absolute least and gain the absolute most and I, I can't stand it. So I believe in this one, I said a thing like, so I went here and I planted all of this tea and then you just showed up and took all this tea. Is that what happened? Is it what happened that I did all the work and you got all the stuff? And he's like, yes. And I was like, I don't ever want to do this again. So <laughs> if that doesn't bother you or you're just prepared for that in a way that you uh, play accordingly, this is a, I like the setting of this game. I like the theme that's happening and even the way they're talking about the art in the game, there's a card where like someone's picking, they're picking tea and the, the art, like it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter, but the person picking tea, it looks like they're saying like, right on, like that's <laughs> what it looks like. And I think that's great for no other reason. It's actually showing people of the area doing the thing in the area instead of, hey, we're not from here. We'd like to come do all the thing in your area. That's another great thing going for this game. I, I don't even know if, I don't know how easy it is to find or, and I might, I might investigate that before it actually leaves the house. However, it is in the coal box for that two player experience. I was like, I don't, I don't see this happening again. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a fun one though. Like yes. if it's, if it is your thing, like that was, that's a surprising one in your list for me to see for yeah. sure. Next up for me is uh, coming in. At 2225 is Royal Visit. Mm. Uh, now, Royal Visit has a lot of great aspects to it. One it of sure which does. the components are nice. They're wood. The wood pieces are super nice. The gameplay is basically you're playing cards and those cards do different actions. You're moving around. Each per It's a two-player game. Each person mm -hmm. is trying to move their court strategically across this blanket that comes with it or maybe it's a shawl like a, a, yeah, like a shawl. long like a tapestry it rolls out onto yes. your table <laughs> it's not super huge though right no it's not big it's it's a it's a really well-sized game honestly i'm mm -hmm. giving it so many compliments yeah and i'll be honest you know going into this you feel like you kind of have to defend to some degree while you're getting rid of stuff as we and make it up this Kelly, list think, yeah right you did a great job earlier i think of allowing me to explain why i'm getting rid of this game and that's you mentioned satisfaction like it just mm. wasn't a satisfying playthrough and mm. that's the reason why it's nothing inherently bad i i'm not satisfied winning i'm not satisfied losing <laughs> the gameplay is missing something where it none of it's bad yeah but it's just not i'm never leaving going like yeah that's what i wanted out of this experience and it's not the game's fault that is 100% the reason why it's gone. It was surprising how many games that you were getting rid of that I was like, oh, I'm definitely keeping that game when I went through my own collection. And this is one of them. Right. I understand what you're saying because it's a tug of war game and it's two players only. And there can be a sense of like, okay, so I mean, kind of how I was talking about Salem. It's like, okay, so I've done all these things and what you've done is immediately undo everything I did. Okay. Right. Okay. Which is exactly how tug of war works. Aaron understands this a little better. He says that actually this is football. And he says, if you think about it like football, it starts to make a lot more sense. And I don't think he's wrong because there's this token that's moving down the field. And what you have in front of you doesn't not look like a football field. Like they've filled in the art, but you kind of have these mm. 10 yard marks all the way down. 
And he's like, it's like advancing a ball down a football field and you're kind of trying to advance it into your, the end zone of your choice. The actual theme they put on it, while beautiful, sort of has nothing to do with what's happening. It's not how that would work at all. Like, that's not how kings move around. Right. So when no, he called it football... None of the characters yeah. are attributed... Like, none of them makes sense. I guess no. the, the guards have to stay kind of close to him. That makes sense. After yeah. that, it gets real... But then you spread them loose. apart so that you can... Yeah, it doesn't... It's not how you yeah. get a king. It's not how you get a king to visit, but the art is beautiful. It would make a excellent deck of cards. Like, if they just made a deck of cards with this same art and theming, just um, a standard playing deck. Sh- shoulder tattoo with this kind of art. Also, yeah. yes, that's another option. So, yeah, that one's that one's on my... That's on my keep pile. Think about it in terms of uh, football and then look that over if you think you might want to uh, give that one a try. My next one, it is ranked 2,129. I just watched a uh, playthrough of this on Twitch even. And they now make this in a tiny box. And maybe I would like that. It's Sunset Over Water. It's by Pencil First Games. They have a whole line of games that all come in the same size box. And that size is about the size of like a video game case as far as like the length and height. And then it's maybe a a couple inches thick. So like if you think about a PlayStation or these days an Xbox case, kind of around that size-ish. So not too big, not too small. Uh, It's not super small. But they have these now miniature versions that are like half the size. And this game... Oh, nice absolutely beautiful it's beth sobel's art and in a way that it's predictable like in and it is sort of repetitive even in the game like it's not fully unique every picture i think that if the um, same icons are on the card maybe the same art is used more than once that's a very reasonable choice but the art is so lovely that you want it to be different for every single card and that's why i think the pared down version might be fine because the art isn't unique for every card while the big art is nice. And ultimately, all you're doing in this game is different cards have icons, and you're moving around to collect the icons and score cards with those icons on them. So the what's actually happening in the game in no way compares to the art, in my opinion, that is present there. So very soothing, very lovely to look at, but I, I think I'd rather just look at the pictures than play the game. Moving on to... 2,121 ranked. It's Welcome to New Las Vegas. Now, it is just like Welcome to, but more. Now there's Welcome to the Moon. I haven't tried that one yet. And I think I just got a little Welcome to'd out. I got all the expansions for the regular one. This Las Vegas, there's just a lot going on. And they kind of suggest, like, maybe don't bother unless you've played regular Welcome to. There's different reasons why you get rid of games. I think sometimes it's because... You have played it as much as you probably want to play it. And I think that's where uh, Welcome to New Las Vegas sits for me. That's fair. Yeah. Welcome to is good, but I could see there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Yeah, there sure are. And the next one, Tiny Epic Pirates. I'm going to keep this short. It's ranked 2005. And I have Dead Reckoning now. And I'd rather have Epic Pirates, turns out. Uh, the tiny part is just holding back the pirate glory. Ranked at 1,873, Glow, previously mentioned, very distinct art style. We talked about it with God's Force. God's Force has a little bit of color in it. Glow is all black and white. And then some of the cards have just like these touches of color. The dice are different colors as well, which really make them stick out. But the design is done really well where it's black and white, but everything is still 
like clear, distinct, like it seems readable, it doesn't seem flat in the way that it could, even though it definitely is. This one is on Board Game Arena, and what Aaron and I kind of tipped into and then kind of read in the forums and then decided was this is just like a swingy sort of game in a way that is fine, and we think we need to pass on it for that reason. Because if you get certain combinations of cards, we sort of feel like, and I guess you're trying to just strive to make that happen, maybe? Um, and there's some other movement you have to do. It's not just cards, but it's mostly cards. And uh, so it was sort of like he he got a combination of cards. And as we, we played and talked about it, we're like, I don't know. There's really anything you can do once you get that combination of cards. And is that what we're looking for? It's probably a little more pronounced in a two-player game as well. So again, a lot of these are, for my list, they're probably games that are better at higher play counts. And I just, I just can't... Uh, uh, in context, in this growing one-player version shelf that I have, I just can't uh, see keeping those uh, as much as other things that I'm going to end up playing more. Yeah, that's very fair. I think I'm up next here at 1620 with Battleship. Battleship is a pretty quick, fun, uh, I believe it's up to four-player. It's not territory control necessarily. It's kind of like, what's that old Jezball game on the computer where you had to like cut away part of the screen? I don't no. know this. I don't know this. No. But that's, oh. I mean, it's meaner than it looks on the cover. Correct. Yeah, you're cutting kind of people off from being able to move the ideas you move, these tiles, and mm-hmm. very high quality components again, mm-hmm. where they're like clay or terracotta tiles. I mean, like <laughs> they're, they're nice that way. Yeah. And you're, you're moving around and you kind of make this path of sheep in your way, and then you can block people from going across. Yeah. You want to put as many of your tokens out as possible. And you want other people to not be able to. So uh, it's a perfectly good game. I played it a lot when I was going to the uh, board game cafe years ago now. It was a very common like one to play with strangers mm-hmm. because it's pretty easy to learn and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I just I just don't have the love for the battleship like I used to, I guess. Yeah. And you like when you don't you make the pasture or whatever the board is when you start. Yeah, like, you build it. So yeah, it changes. Yeah. And then there's strategy in that awful uh and, and you yeah. make the the strategy is just to make the most unplayable board possible <laughs> yeah and then it's unplayable so right it's definitely that kind of game and i think what could be i'm imagining it's has a two-player version and i think this is on board game arena oh, head there right nice. now and try out some battle sheep very head-to-head though like you you do in fact want to battle the sheep and someone else could play against you and just be like yep i'm just gonna close this off for you there and uh you have lost kill all your sheep now yep and you just sit there and watch everyone else play yeah let's see the next few are the next few are me aren't they next up maglev metro is 1464 the rank on that one maglev metro i bet is a great game they just had a kickstarter not too long ago with more maps for it i really wanted to do it they also put in better pieces that are easier to tell apart. That's definitely a downside of the original version of Maglev Metro. It's got these uh, nice little trains that have like a metal bottom to them. So they have some weight. This, uh, a puzzle piece board that comes together and then these modular tiles that sort of fit inside of that as you build out those stations. These clear uh, acrylic rail lines that can then stack on top of each other and look like a Metro map. It's pick up and deliver. You have this big board where you move 
your little meeples around like a switchboard trying to get the right action at the right time. And all of it feels far too restrictive. Like I can't, this is a thing that happens with me and pick up deliver games. I imagine that I'll like them more than I typically have. Like it, it has, it has borne out that I think I'm going to like it like a 10 out of 10. And I usually end up somewhere at like a five out of 10 because they just feel too restrictive. I would like to both pick up and deliver. And it feels like the whole purpose of the game is like, yeah, you would love that, wouldn't you? Well, you'll have to work for it. And I just don't like I I would rather have like a crazy rush of just throwing resources everywhere, picking up and delivering huge truck fills. And I think Maglev Metro is yet another example of a pick up and deliver game that feels like they don't even want you to pick up and deliver. They'd be happier if you didn't do that at all. I don't like that I'm getting rid of this one because I wanted to like it more than I do. And plenty of people do. I just haven't gotten that space with it. Now, Dualsaur Island ranked 1111, 1,111. Oh. We played it, didn't like it at all. Just flat up didn't like it. It's it's well ranked and we thought, okay, I really like Dinosaur Island Roaring, right? Haven't played the other ones. We thought two player game, perfect. This will be great. Couldn't, uh, kind of couldn't stand it. Didn't like it at all. Um, so that the, one, I have to assume it's a perfectly good game based on how much other people like it. There's clearly something there that we didn't see. Can we talk about the name for a second? I don't care for that at all. Duelosaur. Like, it doesn't roll in a way like no. Battlesaur would be better. Like, something like well, Duelosaur. They, it's the regular ones, Dinosaur Island. Fair enough. Right. You know, Seven Wonders, Duel, King Domino, Duel. Like, that's, it's a way that established franchises have designated that this is a two-player-only version or spinoff because, yeah, because King Domino is nothing like, King Domino Duel is nothing like King Domino at all, really. No. Um, and I get just, it, but then, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, Duel, I'm not. I just, Duelosaur. Duelosaur, right. yeah. I, I mean. Dinosaur Duel, Dinosaur Island Duel. I would think it's a better game. Dinosaur Island Duel. I, I, I can't. I can't speak to that. It does not bother me. I was on board with Duelosaur Island until I played it. Oh, okay. So I think we'll cut this into two episodes since this is getting a little bit long. The next episode will start with games that I think are in the top 1,000. Like we'll break into the top 1,000 on Board Game Geek uh, going forward. Thank you so much for listening to episode 71. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We did forget to listen to that Attack on Titan theme, so we recorded it later and added it after this outro. So if you have no interest in that, feel free to move on after you hear what episodes are coming up. The next episode will be part two of our calling, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 70 more episodes headed your way. The next one being our game of the month for August 2022. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. We're going to listen to that Attack on Titan theme. It's from the first season. So like every season, which is not super long, they switch the theme songs and i thought about uh you can google it we'll link to the spotify version of it in the episode description linked horizon is the band that makes it i believe that they are called sound horizon but then when they do music 
like four shows and stuff. They call themselves Linked Horizon. It's a Japanese group. So I've not seen the show. I know of it. I'm familiar with the general premise, but I've not ever actually seen an episode. Now, I would imagine when I hear that song, the protagonist has some sort of long hair and flowing cape-like garb running quickly during the initial part. Behind the protagonist would be dust and other triangle shapes to indicate how fast they are running, possibly scaling up a a wall, possibly uh, swooping in on a held rope-like substance, kicking with like a freeze frame as we get to about the halfway point, some sort of nemesis or enemy character, and it picks back up, unfreezing, and then there's additional fighting, and maybe like a zoom out as we head to the end, where we see uh, several other characters of the show, and possibly like the enemies coming upon said characters. Now, because of that pretty stellar explanation or, you know, depiction of what might be happening in the theme, I'm going to just go ahead and play the regular opening. I'm going to go, I'm just going to go and play it. And we're just going to hope that we don't get enough views that this becomes, or enough listens that this becomes an issue that we're full on playing things. All respect. What a gift it does, right? Yeah. What a gift. All res- We'd love, <laughs> we would love to take it down. We would love to yeah. put back up an edited version since this is tacked at the end. Anyway, this is just for fun. So we're going to play the actual season one opening. We'll watch it. Please watch it on mute yourselves. And this will have the translated lyrics in it. I'm pretty sure. So I'm just going to read those out as we go. It's called, this would be a great, this would be a great moment for Aaron to be on the podcast because I believe that the actual name of this is in German, maybe. Um, so here we go. This is the video. And then I'll, I'll speak the lyrics that are happening and we'll still hear the music in the background. Perfect. That part's in German. I can't translate that. I think it's like, are we the hunted? No, we're the hunters. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're you're gonna really like all the lyrics. Unknown are the names of the flowers that have been trampled. Birds have fallen to the earth and long for the wind. Prayers won't solve anything. Only the will to fight can change the here and now. Oh, pigs who laugh at the resolve to walk over corpses and move forward. Skin darts. Livestock complacency, false prosperity, give us the freedom of dying, starving wolves. The humiliation of being caged is what triggers us to fight back. We hunters slaughter prey beyond the castle walls, consumed with surging bloodlust. As our crimson bows and arrows pierce scarlet holes into the twilight. Uh, yeah, love the lyrics. Um, I don't know that I have enough skin to tattoo all of those like easily <laughs> without like a lot of planning, but I'll have to work on that on my free time. Right. That's that's just going to be a bit of a winter project. See what exactly artists I can vet and what we can get done. What seems what seems reasonable. I just want a vision yeah. for it. Yeah. But as far right. as people flying through the air coming up against the walls there's lots of uh lots of mid-air hovering and at the end just every kind of split screen when it gets to like uh that your prayers won't help you and the humiliation of being caged is what's making you fight for freedom like 
from what I understand, I don't know the themes for the other seasons. I've really watched like all the first season and started watching the second one. There's a lot that happens in the show. I think that the theme music continues on a very I think it I think it continues in that way things you can say about regular society and that's you know anime it's very fantastical but a lot of times even the very serious ones are having these uh having these connections back to society and problems actually in society and they're talking about this fantasized way of uh dealing with and attacking those this isn't an anime podcast who knows if we'll have spinoff episodes at some point but I have a, a very random personal story, we'll say for another time, about how I feel like these kind of things help you deal with what happens in life. That can be another day's uh, discussion. Definitely. Yeah, I, I did, you know, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot, oh. I did do a pretty good job of guessing <laughs> that. I did forget a couple things, though. I forgot, and I thought about it before I saw this, the zoom into the eyeball and then zoom back out. Oh, the yeah. classic one. I, I could, I should have mentioned that. Yeah. That was in there a couple of times. Yeah. So that we can know, that's where we see that cage-ness mm-hmm. is when we zoom into the eyeball right. and then we zoom out to see the fighting. It's so, like we're looking between yeah. the bars of the cage when we zoom into the eyeball. That's what's happening. Exactly. Absolutely. That's where it's at. That's where Absolutely. the starving wolf is kept. And yeah. it is very much like a check, like you were kind of going through maybe a checkbox of tropes, but... Th- this uh, opening sequence, and I mean, I think I think the anime is well made, but I'm in no by no means an expert. There are reasons that, like, there are examples where tropes are tropes for a reason because they're executed well. Like, yes, it's doing every generic uh, guessable thing, but it's a delight. I think, like, it's oh, a delight. Agreed. It's why we love them. If a TV show or movie has anyone fall through a table, a lot. For twenty minutes, every time. <laughs> exactly. What I, I know to it's not even that good, but like, yeah, that's why they keep making actors jump through tables because it's hilarious yeah. every single time. Yeah. Oh, good times. So we will. If you hung out with us here, this is going to be after even the regular outro. So I'm going to mention in the regular outro. If you hung out with us here to continue listening to this, thank you. We're going to be going on to the next episode. It may not be the next episode for you, but the next one that we're recording is going to be continuing our collection. It's going to be all games from the BGG Top 1000. We're still getting rid of them though. And and don't forget that no one remembers the names of the trampled flowers. Have a great <laughs> night.